a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor, live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we are taking your calls right now at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. And Governor, just like last month, you are joining us this morning with some great news about COVID and people being able to get vaccines even sooner than we had expected. You said today 16 plus can get a COVID vaccine beginning next Wednesday. Uh, Tell us what has changed and what has allowed us to do this. Well, Maria, thank you so much for having me back on. I actually get to see you today. I know. On, this on is great. Laptop. It is great. So, yeah, what's changed? I was approached this week by our, our local health departments as well as our state health department asking if we could speed up the change in opening vaccinations to everyone in the state, at least every adult in, in the state. And and there were really two reasons for that. One, uh, they actually had about 15% of their doses uh, available next week that had not been scheduled yet. And so they're, they're worried. They want to make sure that we always fill every single potential uh, vaccination slot. And so that that was the first reason. The, the second reason is that there are, are several harder to reach populations in our state. Some of that is geographic um, and some of that is is, is vaccine hesitancy. Uh, so, so you think of some of our frontier towns, our most rural towns, and uh, and then some of our, our, uh, our, our multicultural communities where we haven't seen as much of an uptake. And, and the ability for them to go in and, and just vaccinate everyone who wants a vaccine at the same time. So doing an entire family instead of just doing those over the age of 50 and, and, and these different populations. So those two things combined um, were enough. I, I, I trust them uh, to, to convince me to make that change again. Not today, but starting next week, that still gives us time for those that are over the age of 50 and with underlying comorbidities who, who haven't scheduled a vaccine yet but want one. Um, they should be able to schedule one. Again, there are slots available right now. We encourage them to do that. But then starting next next week, we're done with all of those those different categories. We're opening it up to everyone. And, and I again, we don't have enough vaccines for everyone yet. So it's going to take several weeks to do that. But if you can find a slot, you can definitely get in. And that's a big deal for our state. Governor, talk for a minute about vaccine hesitancy. Is that proving to be a big problem? Are people reticent to get the vaccine? Well, it's not a big problem yet, but it's definitely going to be. And and that's that's people ask me, you know, all of the concerns that that people are talking about right now aren't mine. (laughs) My concern, the thing that's keeping me up at night is that we know that in the coming weeks that we will have that vaccine hesitancy will be an issue with certain populations. There's been a a lot of uh, data around this. Uh, We've certainly dumped some here in the in the state. And and we've been in kind of the scarcity mindset for so long. I've been asking our teams to really focus on what happens when we have an abundance of vaccine 
fascinating. And how do we, we help people understand that they're safe and that this is the most important way to get back to normal, that, that you can trust these, um, that, that it, and, and again, it's not just to protect you, although that's a great reason to do it, but it also protects other people around you. Um, the more of us that get vaccinated, vaccines aren't perfect. Um, we know that e even with these amazing vaccines at a 95% efficacy rate and 100%, they, they actually have been perfect against death and, uh, and hospitalization so far, but um, we, it, it, it keeps it from spreading, right? Um, if, if more of us, if we get to that, that herd immunity that virologists have talked about so much, that, that really matters. And so, so yes, we, we are we're you're going to see ad campaigns over the next couple of weeks focusing on different populations, encouraging us all to get that vaccine so we can get back to normal quickly. Governor, compare how we are doing with other states when it comes to giving out vaccines. We're doing very, very well. So, so there's, there's a couple with a couple caveats. So one, the only thing we have control over, we don't have control over how many vaccines they send us. We only have control over how quickly we get them into the arms of people. And uh, right now we're sixth in the nation um, out, of, out of 50 states. We're pretty proud of that. We were 39th at one point, so we've moved all the way up to sixth to get those, uh, to get those, those shots into arms. Um, there is another category that people will notice where, where it shows the total population vaccinated. That's a very unfair category to use because uh, we, we we can't vaccinate kids under the age of 16. Uh, and and the reason that that impacts Utah is we have more kids than anyone else in the nation. So it, it'll look like we're at the bottom uh, when it comes at vaccines per capita. But 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 you can't look at that. It should only be adult population that matters. And with that, we're doing, a, again, a very good job. We're also one of the fastest growing states in the nation. And, and I mentioned this last week, but unfortunately, the, the, the federal government is using um, data that is two years old to distribute vaccines vaccines per capita, again, per adult capita. Mm -hmm. And so states like Utah and Nevada um, are at a disadvantage because we're growing so much faster than those states and we should be getting an increased portion. We've talked to the federal government, to the White House about that. We've been told that they are going to update those numbers soon. And when they do, Utah will get a, an even higher proportion. But again, getting vaccine into arms is the only metric we have control over. And, and Utah is in, in, the, in the top 10 for getting that done. You already mentioned our younger population, how large it is and the fact that those children can't get vaccines. How is that going to impact herd immunity in the state of Utah? We all want to get back to normal. Yeah, it's a good question. And Maria, I do have an update. We've moved from sixth to fifth place. So nice. we're top five in the nation in doing that. That happened yesterday, and I, I missed that data. That, that's good news. Um, so we're not really sure uh, exactly how that's, that, that's going to impact people. The good news is with this disease, um, unlike the flu and some others, is that young people aren't impacted nearly as much by the disease as, as older populations. And, and in fact, there's, there's some uh, discussion and debate over, especially um, the, the, the youngest population, their ability to spread the disease. Um, it's, it's still a little bit unclear, but what I, I'm less worried about, um, and we forget this sometimes, right? Zero risk is not a thing in society. We, uh, you know, earthquakes, for example, it was a year ago today, we had an earthquake. We're, we're at risk for having an earthquake, but we, we have to go on with our lives. We prepare for it. We do our best. And then we, we move on. The, the same thing is true here. What, what I'm most concerned about, and the reason this is a pandemic and the reason we've had to do all of these things is because we're worried about deaths and hospitalizations, right? And, and, and with this disease particularly, that impacts the, the, the elderly population. So some great news. 
Over the age of 70 now, 81% have been vaccinated. From 65 to 69, um, 69% have been vaccinated. Those are the numbers I'm most concerned about. We will get a vaccination for, for kids. Um, that will probably happen over the summer. Uh, but again, if we can get our adult population vaccinated in, in great numbers, and, and right now we're 80% of respondents in Utah who have not already received the vaccine said they are very likely or somewhat likely to receive the vaccine. That's higher than just about any state in the nation. So we're excited about those numbers. We'll get to kids, but we're not nearly as worried about the spread of disease amongst them because, again, um, the, the, the repercussions, the hospitalizations, and the mortality rates are, are so much smaller. I mean, that is like the flu with, with kids. All right. Before we come back with uh, questions and calls, uh, one final question for you, and that is about the April 10th date to lift the statewide mask mandate and the endgame bill passed by the legislature. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I've talked about this a lot. This was, you know, that was not the date that we chose. Um, the, the legislature actually wanted a March 10th date. And so we, what we wanted to do was get more people vaccinated. Now, I, I would have preferred uh, that we waited another month um, to, to into May so that we, we could get vaccines to everybody that wanted one. The legislature wanted March. Um, this is the, the, the difficulty with, uh, with legislation, right? We, 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 uh, we talk about it, um, we debate about it, and then we, we compromise where, where we can can. And, and they had a veto-proof majority. Um, they, they certainly had the numbers to override that. So I'm very grateful that we were able to get April 10th. And look, that doesn't mean you should you should stop wearing a mask. And and people, I, I think, are smart enough to understand that. Public health is saying that. If you haven't been vaccinated, um, you should still wear a mask. Uh, protect yourself. Protect those around you. Masks are improving. Um, and, and if you don't have a better mask, you can double mask. There are things we can do to protect ourselves. We still have a mask mandate in, in large gatherings, which is really important. We will still have a mask mandate in in our schools and so those things matter and and people can make their decision Um, businesses can make their decisions we encourage people if a business says you have to wear a mask wear a mask you know don't don't i I said this last week don't be a jerk don't attack the store clerk don't attack the manager um just be better we don't need to do that we're so close to getting out of this let's not jump out of the boat too early We're, we're almost to the shore as uh as the director of health rich saunders likes to say all right, and the number to call if you would like to ask the governor a question, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Me Speak Speak to the the Governor on KSL News Radio. 
And thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Chaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, taking your questions right now. And let's go to uh, Santa Quinn this hour, and that's where we find Beaudry. And Beaudry, what can we help you with this hour? Well, I hope you don't lose listeners because I don't have a COVID question for you. Okay, we, I... <laughs> we need a change of subject for just a minute. Thank you, Beaudry. Yeah. Yeah, so Governor Cox, I understand you're a pretty rural person. You grew up rural. You're a big proponent for rural Utah. Well, Santa Quinn's kind of on the cusp. Historically, they've been rural, but now their front yard and backyard is all just sprawling urban urban growth. So the question I have for you is, does a place like Santa Quinn, should it embrace growth and bring in additional sales tax dollars, or should they resist it? I mean, basically, I spend all of my sales tax dollars elsewhere because I have nowhere to buy anything. Beaudry, this is the uh, the age-old question. You're right. For those that don't know, I was born and raised in Sampy County, just over the mountain from you guys. I, I actually spent a lot of time in Santa Quinn, and it has changed over the past few years. Um, I, I'm still living in Fairview, splitting time between uh, between Salt Lake and Fairview. My my kids are still going to school there. We're finishing up the the school year, and I've spent most of my life in in rural Utah. And this is this is always the debate in in every single city and town in 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 rural Utah and, and rural America. And, and and so I I don't have a great answer for that. In fact, uh, my answer is that depends on what Santa Quinn wants to wants to do and become. I, I really believe that these are decisions that should be made at the at the local level. Um, now you you can't you can't stop growth. Um, growth will come whether you want it or not. The, the, we we are a free country. People have the ability to sell their land. People have the ability to develop that land. And so the the, the better question I think is how do we do it the right way? How do we grow in a way that um, that doesn't diminish the quality of life. And the way we do that is by investing in infrastructure. And I'm so grateful this legislative session, uh, we, we made it a, a, a point to... Um, in my budget proposal to invest in infrastructure, especially in rural Utah, and uh, we've uh, we we that was able to get through the legislature um, historic funding for uh, for infrastructure and and for rural Utah. And and here's why it matters because I think w- what I found is what most people want is they want to make sure that their kids and grandkids have an opportunity to uh, to live and work where they grew up and near them. It's not for everyone, but but it's certainly for some kids. I was a lucky one who got. To to come back home and uh, and raise my family there, and and we, we can't do that if we if we don't embrace at least some growth. Um, but but again, it has to be smart growth because growth can overwhelm a place and uh, and it can lose its heart and its flavor. It doesn't have to, uh, but but it takes great coordination at the local level, and 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 those are decisions that local officials have to make. But the 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 job of the state is to support them, and that's something I push for throughout the campaign and that we're working on now to make sure that we have the resources to help those local governments make the right decisions and, uh, and, and to protect what's so important in those places. Thank you, Governor. All right, Beaudry, thanks for your call today. Our first texter, Governor, is asking, uh, why is the date for not wearing masks a political, why is it a political issue rather than a social health issue? Uh, why isn't Dr. Dunn making this decision in conjunction with local health departments? 
Well, it, it's it's <laughs> that's because that's how government works, and uh, it's it's always been that way forever, right? We elect people to uh, to make these decisions for us. We've never um, allowed uh, local health to make those those kind of decisions through, throughout history. And, and and again, we can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, it's it's just reality. Um, and what we've been doing, and I, I stress this all the time during these emergency orders when. Um, the governor uh, and 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 health departments do make some of those decisions. Um, th- those we we are usurping legislative authority to do that. Um, it, it, we're not usurping it. I, I should say a better way is the legislature has given us their power to do those types of things. But those were never intended to to last for years, and and so um, it, it's really important that we involve them in those decisions. And um, it, again, local health can disagree with it. I can disagree with it. But it's their ability to do it. And, and if we don't like what they do, then um, we we should show up at the ballot box. But I, I just think it's so important to remind people that um, that that government doesn't have to tell us everything that we we do in our lives. Um, I, I don't think that's healthy, and and so we should listen to local health. All of us should. I'm listening to local health. I will continue to wear a mask even after the mask mandate ends, and so can you, and so should you. Now, conversely, there are a lot of people that, that haven't been wearing masks uh, e- even though there has been a mask mandate, right? Um, that's the messy part of, of pandemics, and and I hope we have enough grace for each other uh, to, uh, to to get through this, um, to, to, to understand that these are difficult times and difficult decisions for for everyone, um, but we we believe um, we've seen the data that pe- many 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 people will continue to wear masks. They will follow the health guidance. There have been states that did not have mask mandates like ours, and uh, people have continued to wear masks in those states. And so um, we're 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 going to get through this. We're so close um, to to the end of this. Uh, I, I would rather that this be um, guided by public health. And um, but but again, the legislature has the ability to make that decision. They they listen to public health. Um, they they listen to uh, the, the different arguments on both sides, and they made this decision, and it is, it, is, it is their constitutional duty to make those decisions. Governor, our next caller is Keith in Far West, and good afternoon, Keith. Good afternoon, Governor. First off, I want to thank you for what you've done during this pandemic. I mean, I've got a boy that's handicapped, and we've been staying home for a year, go out once a day, once a week, and give him a ride, and I had a daughter that got COVID that got really, really sick. But um, my question to you, and I am still wearing a mask and will continue. My question to you is, I know in the back of your mind you've got a date when you want this to be back to normal. When are you looking at the new norm, Governor? Yeah, thank you, Keith. And I, I'm so sorry to hear that. And uh, your, your daughter and your son, um, I, I have two siblings and my dad who are, are very high risk. And uh, we've, we, we're used to being extra careful during flu season. And we've had to be even more careful this time. So we've, we've also been staying home a lot and, and, uh, and, and doing things the, the, the right way. You're right, Keith. I, I do have a, a time in the, in the back of my head on, on where we're, when we're going to get there. But there, there's two things that I think are important. And that is where I think we're a lot closer than, than many people may realize. We hear these stories about lockdowns in California and other places, and Utah, Utah isn't like that. Um, right now, we have uh, 24 counties out of our 29 that are in moderate or low transmission index. And, and that means right now that, again, wearing a mask, everything's open. Um, now, again, individual groups can, can determine when they're going to open up fully. So, for example, um, the Utah Jazz, even though they could, um, 
have the entire stadium full for for health and safety reasons they've decided not to do that and that's that's a wise choice uh the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints they could fill up the conference center for april conference they've decided not to do that it's not a government mandate that's their decision to protect people and be safe and and i think that that's really important but again we have to wear masks in the in these uh these mass gatherings so we're a lot closer to normal than than i think people realize and we're definitely going in the right direction um the good news case numbers were down i think uh close to 90 today they were down um that's a that's a i, I don't know i haven't done the math maybe an 18 percent decrease over where we were from this day a week ago so we're trending in the right direction but to better answer your question, um, we believe that uh, we will have enough, enough vaccine in the state for everybody to be that wants one to be fully vaccinated. So getting your your second dose um, and and getting past that by you know mid May, um, that's that's really what we're targeting. Uh, maybe maybe the third week in May, somewhere fourth week, right right around there. Um, which means that that really by June and and certainly by the fourth of July. I mean I I've kind of marked the fourth of July as that date when we're we're out doing all the things we would normally do parades and, 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 you know, family gatherings and um, all, all of those things, because people will have been vaccinated and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to go. So that's, that's the date that I've, I've said publicly. Um, It's the date that we're shooting towards. I think we can beat that date, but I think that's when we just have this collective, Hey, we're all together. We're watching fireworks and parades and, uh, and we're past this pandemic. That's what we're, that's what we're hoping for. And we're all hoping for that. And let's take a break for the bottom of the hour news. The number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let me speak to the governor live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Chaleos, along with Governor Spencer Cox. And, Governor, every time you lower the age for people to get the vaccine, the big problem becomes scheduling. So we have a number of people asking scheduling questions. And one of the first ones, they're asking, uh, how can they schedule a vaccine before April? Because the Salt Lake County website says none are available until April. Yeah. So first of all, there there are lots of different places to get a vaccine. Well, early in the well, when I became governor, um, the the first thing I did was make it so only local health departments were delivering vaccines because we didn't have enough, and they were by far the most efficient. Over the past couple months, we've been expanding that greatly, um, and the federal government also has pharmacy partners that they have been giving direct allocations to. And so right now, there are dozens of places in this state where where people can get vaccinated. We also removed the re- the geographic requirements. Um, so you don't have to just go to the county where you are located. Um, you can look at any county. So if you go to coronavirus.utah.gov slash vaccine, um, there you can see all of the partners. Now, again, th- this makes it a little more complicated because at the same time, it's great that there are lots of places, but they're, they're unable because there are so many different partners and they own they have they have their own scheduling applications and, and backing 
end uh, 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 pieces, it's impossible to unify all of those. So you, you have to click through and try different ones to find them. But you, they're, they're all located there. Um, you can check. If Salt Lake County is not available, you may be able to get one at Smith's. Um, you may be able to get one at Walmart, at, at Harmon's. Um, you can look in, in Utah County where they've had uh, more, more availability. Um, Davis County. Uh, again, there are lots of different places to get vaccines. So keep trying. Don't give up, but do recognize that there is not enough vaccine for all of the demand right now. So it may take a few weeks, but keep trying and uh, eventually we'll get everyone in there. Uh, Josh is calling from Magna also with a coronavirus question. Good afternoon, Josh. Yes, um, this hi, Governor. This is Josh Blake. Um, uh, I have a question. So, um, you know, you've been talking about a lot about the church and um, and how um, uh, the gatherings of 50 people, you know, uh, still have a mass mandate. Um, I was just wondering, um, will churches still require mass and um, or um, is that up to the um, up to the um, first presidency? Yeah, thank thank you, Josh. That's a, that's a good question, um, and, and I'm going to blow your mind just a little bit here, and uh, and many people. Uh, I bet that most people listening to this think that the state has mandated masks in churches, and, and the truth is that uh, that we haven't. Um, that has been completely voluntary, and and every church, um, just about every church in the state, has made the decision to require masks in their congregations, and uh, that's a very smart thing to do. Um, the churches were right to do that, and they're right to continue to do that, again, to protect the health and safety of everyone out there. So so that's that has always been the case, and that will continue to be the case, that it will be up to um, it will be up to the authorities in every church to decide how long they want to keep masks in place and uh, and and when they'll they'll decide to uh, to take those away. So but nothing is changing there. Um, churches have always had the ability to make those decisions and and that will continue going forward. Thanks for the question. All right, Josh, thanks for your call. Our next texter is asking, Governor, uh, they say they've had COVID in the past 90 days, and the site says uh, not to schedule an appointment for a vaccine. They're wondering how long antibodies protect us, and should they get an antibody test each month to see if they still have immunity? Yeah, great question. So there's no reason to get an antibody test every month. Um, that's uh, that's that's certainly not necessary. Uh, that 90-day waiting period comes directly from the CDC, and uh, and it's smart to wait that long um, uh, for, for for several different reasons. But maybe the most important one is that you do have some immunity right now, and so let's use the vaccine for those that don't. Um, and 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 your waiting will you're already protected at some level, and so this will help us to get more people protected, and that's. That's a really good thing. The, the the reason that case numbers are dropping so much in the state is a combination of the the, the great number of vaccines. Now over a million people have been vaccinated. Excuse me, over a million doses of vaccine have been delivered. Some of those are second doses in the state. Um, but uh, but but also because we've had lots of people who have had the disease, and so that's that's why the virus is having a hard time finding uh, bodies that don't have any immunity. As far th- there are two types of immunity um, that come from. Uh, 
from from actually having the disease. And and you mentioned antibodies. Um, we do know that antibodies don't last for forever. Um, we're not sure they last different lengths in other people. Um, but we also have T cell immunity, which is the ability of the body to remember um, this disease. And and it's also triggered again by getting the vaccine, so your body remembers this dis- disease and knows how to go about attacking it. And and so that T cell immunity that that doesn't show up in an antibody test, and we know it does last longer than the antibodies last. And so that that's why we don't recommend getting an antibody test, but waiting the 90 days um, since you've had the coronavirus, and then just going ahead and uh, and getting vaccinated. That's that's the best way. Again, the the, the best experts have uh, have made that recommendation, and we believe that that's the best way to keep you safe. And again, make sure we're getting vaccine out to as many people as possible. You didn't know you needed a medical degree to become governor, right? I, I did <laughs> not at all, Maria. I have uh, I have read more um, medical papers and studies over the past year than the, the rest of my life combined, and it's not even close. Let's take our next caller. That is Dwayne in Heber. Good afternoon, Dwayne. Hi, how are you? Great, thanks. What's your question? My question is, uh, first of all, the state's done a really good job with their economics, and I just heard a report um, that the Biden administration is uh, threatening to take away the state stimulus package money if we lower taxes. Um, and I just wanted to get the governor's uh, feeling about that. Thank you for asking that question. I thought I might be asked that in my, my press conference today, and I wasn't, and I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to respond. Um, yeah, I, I think it's insane uh, <laughs> what they're proposing. Um, you're right. Utah has done an incredible job. You may have seen last week that U.S. News & World Report named Utah the best economy in the country. Um, there was another report that came out that showed uh, uh, COVID, the death rate per capita, um, combined with the unemployment rate, combined with the um, the ability to get kids back in school, those three metrics. And when you combine those three, Utah was number one in, in the country. We have done an incredible job. Again, this past legislative session, record, uh, record investment in education, almost $500 million. It's just incredible. Record investment in, uh, in infrastructure. And, and this is what I'm most proud of, a $100 million tax cut uh, targeted at our, at our senior citizens, uh, targeted at our veterans, and targeted at families. Utah is showing the rest of the nation how to do this the right way. Now, with this new stimulus package, there are a lot of things we don't know. Um, unfortunately, and, and Congress is doing more and more of this, they've given a tremendous amount of authority to the Treasury Secretary to make the rules around this, at completely abdicating their responsibility, which is something I wish they would fix back there. Uh, nonetheless, the, we believe that even if they do make that, uh, that, that decision that you can't t- cut taxes, that would only apply to states that don't have a surplus, that haven't seen an increase over the past year. So Utah would be excluded for that. There is no way that it is constitutional to prevent us from or withhold uh, the, the, the money that's supposed to come to our state because we cut taxes. And and by the way, if they do that, then um, we will be participating in a lawsuit against the administration. The attorney general, I think, mentioned that yesterday. We're fully supportive of that. Um, and, and, and again, all they're doing is subsidizing those states that, that didn't do it the right way, that weren't safe about keeping their economy open and, and making those decisions. So uh, Utah should not be penalized um, for, for leading the nation and having the best economy in the world and showing people that there's a better way to do things. And uh, we will certainly fight against that at every turn. I, I also 
also have to say, look, there there are some important pieces of this stimulus. I'm, I'm not I'm not completely uh, denigrating that. There are families and there are uh, there there are businesses that have been particularly hard hit, and we should be reaching out and helping them. But that's not what this does. Uh, this paints with such an incredibly broad brush um, that that so many people, myself included, right? I'm doing just fine. I I didn't miss a paycheck last year. Um, I I'm I'm in good shape. My family is just fine. Uh, we, we haven't missed a beat. We're very fortunate. We're grateful for the support of the people of Utah and to be able to uh, to serve in this position. But I got a huge stimulus check in the last couple days, and we're going to be donating a lot of that to help other people. But um, this this type of, of, of recklessness, um, we, we don't know how this ends. We've never had an experiment quite like this. And and I, I'm extremely worried about it. We should be focusing on those that need the most help. We should be giving more opportunity to people um, instead of just throwing money around. Um, and, and and I'm concerned about about where this ends up. I think again, I think Utah has the right mix, and and we're going to continue to fight for that. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back with our final segment of Let Me Speak to the Governor. The number to call eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can also text us at five seven five zero zero. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let, Let Me Speak, Speak to, to the, the governor, governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we're taking your calls and questions right now. Uh, Governor, we lost Sonia, but she had a very important question, and it was, what are we doing to make sure that minorities are getting the vaccines? Well, it is an important uh, discussion, and I want to remind people that our minority population is already getting vaccinated. Um, right now, we have uh, approximately 30,000 of, of our Latino population that has received at least one dose, uh, 10,000 of our, our Asian American population, 21,000 other races with at least one uh, vaccination. And uh, we, we have about 200,000 people that did not record their race, so we're we're not sure exactly what percentage of those are, but, but we know that that's not good enough. There is definitely a gap. And the state we released uh, last week are a very robust plan to ensure that various populations are vaccinated. We have mobile units right now that are going into neighborhoods and rural areas that are hard to reach. Um, we're running ads in Spanish and, and uh, translating into a whole bunch of other different languages. And we've engaged community members to make sure that their questions are answered and that we're getting the local community involved in, in this issue. Um, part of that is just access and part of it is vaccine hesitancy. And so we want to make sure that we have trusted voices and trusted faces in those in those communities to uh, to help us get the message out. And we're really excited. That's one of the reasons we made this change to be able to vaccinate everyone is so that when they do these mobile units do go in, they don't have to pick and choose. They can just vaccinate everyone. And that's going to help close that gap very quickly. Our next caller is Bob in Salt Lake City. Bob, what is your question? Uh, yes. Thanks my call, Governor. Mine is going to, you may not be able to answer this on the air. It may be something that requires a lot more thought. Today, you just uh, uh, issued a state of emergency concerning the drought in Utah. Um, Utah, uh, statewide, has always had a, a finite water source. And in the Salt Lake Valley in particular, we also have a finite air resource. At what point does the 
government entities that be say, you know what, we're not going to issue any more building permits without making it a net zero uh, uh, building. We're not going to keep uh, um, uh, registering uh, ev- uh, all the vehicles that everybody wants to have registered in the state because we're killing ourselves. At what point does the government jump in and do its job? Well, well, thank you for the question. That's definitely a loaded question, and I, I think I can answer it. And I'm going to blow your mind here, too, because it, it's amazing to me. People keep saying that we need to focus on the science, and then they, they uh, completely uh, tend to deny the science out there. Um, would, I'm sure it would surprise you to know, especially the way you framed that question, that your air is cleaner today than it's been at any point in your lifetime. And, in fact, it's, it's uh, significantly cleaner than it was just, uh, just 14 years ago. Um, we are doing better with air quality than we've ever done in, in our lifetimes and that's just that's not just me um, I can I can we can send you the the reports on that you can see in fact it's been widely published uh, uh, the Salt Lake Tribune the Deseret News have both done articles over this in the past couple of years about how much cleaner our air is now than it was before and the reason that is is because technology is improving we are building cleaner buildings um, our cars are much more cleaner and as we have transitioned to tier 3 gasoline about half of our our bad air is coming out of tailpipes and, and Tier 3 gasoline mixed with the Tier 3 vehicle, uh, which is vehicles after about 2017, that, that's a, that it's, it's a huge reduction. It's about an 80% reduction in those, those tailpipe emissions. So that's like taking four out of every five cars off the road. Now, look, um, I want a place for my kids to live here. And, and so we will continue to work. I believe that we're not going to legislate our way into, um, into clean air. Um, that's not going to happen. What we're going to do is we're going to innovate our way into these things and every day every day the innovators out there are coming out with better cleaner technology and that's why our air is cleaner um, right now than it has been in uh, in generations and so uh, you, you should be patting uh, the, the the local government on the back um, instead of uh, threatening them to, uh, to and telling them that they shouldn't allow anyone ever to build another building or to drive another car um, that's 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 crazy and uh, that's not healthy and it's not good for uh, for our kids or grandkids and so I'm really excited at the innovation in our state who are doing great things. Um, we have a bipartisan clean air caucus, uh, Republicans and Democrats working together. We have more clean air uh, legislation coming out over the past three years than we have at any time in our state's history. People are taking this really seriously. Uh, but, but the idea that we, we're, we're never going to issue another building permit or, um, or allow another card on the road is, uh, is, is kind of crazy. So um, anyway, thanks for the question, Bob. Uh, Governor, follow up on the drought emergency. Why declare a drought emergency at this point in time? Well, there, there are lots of reasons. Um, and uh, our snowpack right now, unfortunately, is only about 70% of average for, for the year. Um, now, that that's okay. 70% isn't terrible. We've had worse. But the problem is you have to look at what we were coming from. And so we, we, had, a, we had a bad year last year. And so we needed at least an average year, if not an above normal year this year, to, to be able to make up for that. Right now, um, the entire state is in, is in some form of drought. Um, 90% of that is extreme drought. Um, there's a scale uh, of five different droughts. Extreme drought is four, uh, is fourth on that scale. And, and then uh, 
exceptional drought is the is the highest uh, on the list, and about 57% of the state is listed as an exceptional drought. Um, our state uh, water storage, our reservoir storage, has decreased by about 14% over the past year. And here's the other thing that worries me: um, the the soil content, the water content in our soil is much lower than it has been in a long time, and that means that when the runoff comes, it's going to go down into the ground instead of into the reservoirs. And so that's why we we've had to declare this drought, and we encourage people to be careful um, to conserve water as we we head into this. And of course, water districts will make the determination on putting limitations on how much water we're using as we head into this uh, this spring and summer water year. Right. And what does declaring a drought emergency allow the state to do? Well, it, it does a couple things. It allows these drought-affected communities, um, agriculture producers, and others to officially begin the process that may provide access to uh, state and federal resources um, as they're needed. So we do have resources out there. The federal government um, has resources when those drought declarations happen, and it allows us to do that. It's also a messaging piece to uh, to help people understand that, hey, this is going to be a tough year, so let's start preparing now and making the decisions that we need um, in agriculture in our personal consumption to uh, to make sure that we're, we're making that water go as far as possible. All right, Governor, we have about a minute left. Uh, any final message you would like to leave with our listeners? Well, I would just like to uh, to thank your listeners uh, for the great work. We we have so much to celebrate. We tend to focus on the negative, but my goodness, if you had told me a couple months ago that right now we would be under 500 cases per day in the state, we haven't been there since September. It's a long time. Um, our hospitals now have plenty of capacity. Um, we're and and vaccinations. This miracle that we were told would take at least 18 months, maybe two years, and here we are a year into this, and we've delivered over one million doses. We are in great shape, but what I need is I need everyone to get their vaccine. Um, I need you to do that. That's how we get back to normal. And so when it's your turn, uh, starting next Wednesday, and and again, don't schedule until next Wednesday if you're under the age of 50 or don't have an underlying comorbidity, Uh, but we're we're so close. Let's, uh, Let's get through this together. Governor, thank you so much, and we'll see you next month. Thanks, Maria. And thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.